Good morning, ladies. This is Jen here. I'm recording this podcast in honor of all my gal friends that are listening that don't necessarily get the the time to sit down and read it but want to be a part of this book. Um, The title is Get Out of Your Head. It's by Jenny Allen, and I'm going to just today read chapter one. So it's part one is called All the Thoughts. Chapter one is called Thinking About Thinking. So if you're listening to this, just know that I'm thinking about you, and that is why I'm recording it, so that you can just listen along um, as you drive, or as you do laundry, or as you're washing dishes, cooking dinner, just when you didn't get time throughout the week to read the chapters, go here and you can listen. All right, chapter one, thinking about thinking. Take every thought captive. They say authors write books for two reasons. Either the author is an expert on the subject, or the subject makes the author desperate enough to spend years finding the answers. The latter most definitely describes me. This morning I woke up intending to write to you, but first I thought, I need to spend time with God. So what did I do? I picked up my phone. I noticed an email about something I was working on, in which the sender was constructively critical of my work. Just as I decided to set my phone down, something else stole my attention, and the next thing I knew, I was on Instagram noticing others' wins and glories contrasted with my work and process that seemed not to be measuring up. In minutes with my phone, I decided that I was an inadequate writer. I was spending my life chasing things that mean nothing, because I am nothing. I have nothing to say. I was spiraling fast into discouragement. Then my husband, Zach, came in happy, having just met with God, and I snapped at him. My spiral began to spin faster and more chaotically. In less than an hour, I had demolished myself, criticized all my, diminished myself, criticized all my work, decided to quit ministry, ignored God, and pushed away the greatest advocate and friend. Wow, brilliant, Jenny. And that was only this morning. And now you want to try and help me with my chaotic thoughts? Well, I hear you. And I imagine all my life I will be in process with this. But because of the discoveries I get to share with you here, instead of my spiral stilling a day, a week, a few years, just an hour into it, there was a shift in my thinking. I did not stay paralyzed. I am free and joyful writing to you. I want you to know that you do not have to stay stuck either. God built a way for us to escape the downward spiral, but rarely do we take it. We have bought the lie that we are victims of our thoughts rather than warriors equipped to fight on the front lines of the greatest battle of our generation, the battle of our minds. The Apostle Paul understood the war that takes place in our thoughts, how our circumstances and imaginations can become weapons that undermine our faith and hope. The Bible records his bold declaration that we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive? Is that possible? Um, Have I ever tried that? Once a bird flew into our tiny house, it wouldn't fly out. It took more than an hour for our whole family working together to catch that silly little sparrow. Shooting the bird with a BB gun? Easy. But capturing the wild sparrow? Flailing through our house was altogether a different task, a nearly impossible one. How much more impossible to capture a wild thought on the fly? Yet the book I build my life on is telling me to capture all my thoughts, every one of them. Is God serious? 
Is this even possible? Because honestly, my thoughts run wilder than a hyperactive sparrow. And yours probably do too. I see the same wild chaos in your eyes and those of nearly every woman I meet. Like the young woman in so much pain who sat across from me this week, drowning in anxiety. She has been fighting for two years. She looked at me pleading, help, tell me what to do. I don't want to live anxious, she said. I'm in counseling. I'm in a Bible study. I'm willing to take medicine. I want to trust God. Why can't I change? Why do I feel stuck in this? Goodness, I relate and have fought the same thing. It's incredible if you think about it. How can something we can't see control so much of who we are? Determine what we feel and what we do and what we say or don't. Dictate how we move or sleep and inform what we want, what we hate, and what we love. How can the thing that houses all these thoughts, just a bunch of folded tissue, contain so much of what makes us who we are? Learning to capture our thoughts matters because how we think shapes how we live. The patterns that keep us stuck. The subject of neuroscience has captivated me for years, ever since one of my brilliant daughters began educating me on the science of the brain. When Kate, who is now a junior in high school, was in the seventh grade, she came home from school one afternoon and announced to the rest of us, her brothers, her sister, my husband, Zach, and me, that she was going to cure Alzheimer's disease someday. We smiled, but years later, she is still reading books and articles on the subject, listening to every TED Talk on the brain, and sharing research with me. Things like, did you know that more has been discovered about our minds in the last 20 years than in all time before that? Did you know that an estimated 60 to 80% of visits to primary care physicians have stress-related components? Did you know that research shows that 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life? Did you know that with what we know about the brain today, when scripture is talking about the heart, it really could be talking about the mind and the emotions we experience in our brains? Well, no, Kate, I did not, but that's very interesting. The truth is, it is very interesting to me. Somewhere along the way, Kate's fascination became mine too, because she taught me that what she is learning in science is also scattered throughout my Bible, and many of the truths in the Bible concerning our thought lives have been backed up by science. This all became increasingly important to me as I, began, as I became gripped by the idea that taking control of our minds could be the key to finding peace in other parts of our lives. For seven years, I'd been in deep running. I'd been in deep running if gatherings. The organization I believe God prompted me to start to disciple women and equip them to go disciple others. I love our community, our gatherings, and the impact we seem to be having. But over time, I noticed a troubling trend among the women I loved and served every day. Women would feel convicted at an event and or as they worked through our discipleship resources, and they would surrender their lives more fully to Jesus. They would soar on the wings of that, that resolve for a week, a month, and sometimes a year or even two. But inevitably, inevitably, at some point, they'd slip back into old habits, old patterns of doing life. Maybe you know exactly what I mean. Maybe right now you're thinking of that toxic relationship you finally got out of, but then in a weak moment, resumed. 
Or you finally found peace about a less than desirable season of life, but now your emotions have spiraled downward again and all you do is complain. Or you were convicted about your porn habit and stopped only to slip back into the habit weeks later. Or you recognized a pattern of being critical of your spouse. You surrendered it and truly started to change just before you circled back to where you began with it again. Why, I wondered, I don't, don't the changes so many women desperately want to make stick over the long haul? And why did I struggle with some of the same fears, negative patterns, and other sins that I've been fighting for years? Even as I observed this boomerang effect at the broad level, I was also in a relationship with dear friends, women I knew well, who seemed to battle the same issues year after year. Each time we'd get together, I'd hear the same song, the 500th verse. What prevented them from thriving? Why couldn't they get unstuck? Kate's discoveries as she continued to study the brain suggested one strong possibility. It's all in our heads. Breaking the spiral. This is much, there is much we don't know about the brain. But what's also true, like Kate says, we've learned more about the brain in the past 20 years than we knew from previous 2000. We once thought of the mind as an irreputable thing. The brain you were born with and the way it worked or didn't was just how it was. No sense fretting over what we can't change. We know now the brain is constantly changing whether or not we intend for it to. In hopes of discovering how women can break free from our prob problematic patterns, I started picking up books about the mind and about neuroscience and how we change and how real change occurs. I watched TED Talks that Kate pointed me toward about brain's placidity. I listened to brainy podcasts. I watched brainy documentaries. I trained to, or I talked to brainy people. I began to see a pattern at work in many of us. Our emotions were leading us to thoughts and those thoughts were dictating our decisions and our decisions were determining our behaviors and then the behaviors were shaping our relationships, all of which would take us back to either healthy or unhealthy thoughts. Round and round and round we go, spinning down, seemingly out of control, our lives becoming defined by this endless cycle. It's depressing. Unless, unless there's a way to interrupt it. How many of us are spending all of our energy in conversations and counseling and prayer trying to shift the most, the most vis, vis, ooh, that's a hard, visceral thing about us, our emotions, yet having no success? If you feel sad and I tell you to quit feeling sad, has any progress been made? What if, instead of spending our energy trying to fix the symptoms, we went to the root of the problem, deeper even more than emotions that seem to kick off our cycles? The reality is that our emotions are a byproduct of something else. Our emotions are a byproduct of the way we think. Emotion, thought, behavior, relationship, consequence. What's good about the news is that we can change our thinking. Oh, what's good about this news is that we can change our thinking. The Bible tells us so. Do not be conformed to this world, one verse says, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. My deep dive into the inner workings of the brain confirmed what the Bible says. We can take every thought captive. Not only can our thoughts be changed, but we can be the ones to change them. The problem is we get on this spiral train, often unaware where our thoughts could could eventually lead. The well-known theologian John Owen said that the enemy's goal in every sin is death. His actual words were, be killing sin or, or it will be killing you. It's time for us to fight. The average person has more than 30,000 thoughts per day. Of those, so many are negative that according to researchers, the vast majority of the illness that plagues us today are a direct result of the toxic thought life. The spiral is real and stuffed with more thoughts than it seems we can manage. But what if instead of trying to take every thought captive, we took just one thought captive? What if I told you that one beautiful, powerful thought could shift this chaotic spiral of your life for the better every time you thought it? What if you could grab hold of one truth that would be quiet, that would quiet the fury and untruths that you had left feeling powerless over your brain? One thought to think, could, could you do that? Such a thought exists. More on that later. I understand that despite the straightforward nature of my ask, that you take hold of one truth to focus your mind, fulfilling it is no small thing. Why? Because a full-fledged assault is taking place in those folds of tissue that make up who we are. The greatest spiral battle of our generation, generation is being fought between our ears. What we believe and what we think about matters, and the enemy knows it. And he is determined to get in our head to distract you from doing good and to sink you so deep that you feel hopeless, overwhelmed, shut down, and incapable of rising to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Even if you're one of those who won't shut down and you're loving God and people as you go, a million toxic thoughts haunt you each step of the way. Whether you find yourself shut down or just haunted by nagging discontent, here's my declaration on behalf of both you and me. No more. And I say on behalf of you and me for a reason. The great irony is that while I thought God was directing me all this great groundbreaking information, how my friends could heal their lives by healing their brains and by thinking more thoughtfully about their thoughts, so I could help everyone else, What I couldn't possibly have known at that time was that I was about to need this healing myself. And that's the end of chapter one, thinking about thinking. I'm sorry, I might have mispronounced some words I was trying to go through and read, but as I was coming to words, trying to quickly get through them so I wasn't held up. So hopefully I did okay with the pace and with the words. That was chapter one. Looking forward to doing chapter two with you. Have a great day.